Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. Praise God. Well, as you guys have been knowing, if you guys have been coming, we started a brand new series called Text of Terror. Everybody say Text of Terror. And the reason why we uh, entitled that, because obviously it's, you know, Halloween is coming up and everything. If you go to the movie theater, every movie practically, it's about getting scared, right? And, uh, but today, and, then, and this also this month, we're going to be talking about the things that are happening in this world. Because how many ever heard about the war that's happening in Israel? How many heard of that? Yes. Amen. If you haven't heard, you have heard, I don't know what's wrong. Because it's on your phone, it's on YouTube, it's on TV, it's everywhere, right? And before that, there was another war. And that war was between Russia and Ukraine. And so what we're doing, we're, we're looking at the Bible, and we're saying, what does God have to say about this, right? How many want to know what God has to say about the things that are happening in this world, right? I would like to know that, right? And so that is the whole purpose of this series of our message this day. Uh, We started uh, in Matthew chapter 24 looking at what Jesus said about what's happening in this world. And I'm going to go ahead and recap it this morning. But right before we do that, I want to go back to Matthew 24, verse 3. And if this is your first time here, we consider you a very important person to us. Amen. Just like my wife said, my name is Pastor Richard. I'm the pastor of the church. And uh, we have a free gift for you. And uh, the gift is just to say thank you for coming out. There's a lot of different churches. How many of you know there's a lot of churches in Florida? Come on, somebody. Uh, but you chose to come here. And so we want to thank you for that. And we want to get to know you. And if you've been looking for a church, uh, well, welcome home. You don't have to look no further. Amen. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, 24 verse 3. And this is more, uh, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. I've always been more of a teacher than a preacher. So this is going to be a lot of, like, teaching. You're going to hear a lot of statistics. You're going to be like, hey, that is happening. And the reason why I want to do that is because I want to make sure that you understand that Jesus said this would happen. And I want to show you in the world how it's happening. Verse 3 says, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately And said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? How many want to know that, right? And Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. Everybody say, mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. And watch this, they will deceive many, not a little bit of people. They're going to deceive many people. And it says, and you must, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But look what Jesus says, don't panic. Everybody say, don't panic. If you're sitting next to your friend or somebody, push them, say, don't panic. panic. Amen. Yes, these things must take place. What does Jesus say? These things have to take place. They have to take place. I don't care what the government does. I don't care what, no matter. It could be the smartest. All these things have to take place, but the end won't follow immediately. 
Amen. It says, verse 7, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of what? Birth pains with more to come. No, if anybody understand these, understands this scripture right here is women. Because men don't understand this. They want to say they understand it, but they don't understand. Come on, somebody. Right? This is the first, first of birth pains. That means the real birth pains haven't came yet. These are the little contractions that are giving you the warning that a baby is coming. And so when we see all these things happening, this is not the end. These are the contractions that are giving us the warning that what's going to happen, that Jesus is about to return. That is the baby that is getting birth. Not only that, before Jesus comes, if you study this correctly, not only is Jesus going to come, but the greatest revival of souls that are going to get saved is going to happen. The presence of God, the Bible even said that the glory of God is going to even increase because the Bible says as sin abounds. In other words, as sin gets greater and greater, so will God's grace. God's grace will become greater and greater. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that it will penetrate our hearts, that you will remove all distraction in the name of Jesus. Speak through me, think through me, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I think, you know, as we look at the news, it could be a little terrifying if you don't know the Bible. And I mentioned this last week, that there's reasons why Jesus tells us about the future. And I want to go ahead and let you know what, why Jesus tells us. Number one, Jesus tells us about the future to warn us. Everybody say, warn us. Warn us. Nothing is worse than somebody tells you to go somewhere and they don't warn you about certain things, right? Uh, you know, there's times where, you know, people tell you to go down a certain street and they don't tell you that there's a road closed. How many have the GPS take you somewhere and you end up getting there and then the whole road is closed? How many have been there, right? It would have been nice. If Google would have let us know that this street is closed, right? But I love that Jesus warns us. Can you imagine if Jesus didn't warn us? We will be seeing all these events happening in the world with no hope, with no hope. The second reason why Jesus tells us about the future is so that what? We can trust him with it. We can trust him with it. We can trust Jesus with the future. You can trust Jesus with your future. You can trust Jesus with the future of this nation. You can trust Jesus that what he said he is going to do. And number three, Jesus tells us about the future so that we can trust him with it. So that we can trust him. I'm sorry. So that we, so that we don't stumble. Jesus tells us about the future so that we don't stumble. Look what it says in John 16 verse 1. It says, these things I have spoken to you about the future that you should not be made to stumble. Because how I many you know, man, fear has a way of making us stumble. Fear has a way, and the events that are happening has a way for us to be like, man, is there really a God? If God is so good, why is all of these things happening? But we see the goodness of Jesus because he warns us and he prepares us. And he says, you can trust me with this. And he says, the reason why I'm telling you all these things is so that you do not stumble. 
Do not believe the lies that you are watching online or on TV. Like I mentioned last week, there is a lot of fake news. There's a lot of fake news. And so last week we talked about the deception that is going to increase as Jesus gets closer and closer to returning. And there's a lot of people that are being deceived because they don't know the word of God. The number one thing that the enemy is going to use is he's going to come against what the very word of God says. And whenever you hear something that goes against the word of God, my friend, we are vulnerable to deception. We're vulnerable to deception. I don't care how famous the person is. I don't care how popular the YouTube channel is. I don't care how many views that person has or subscribers that they have. Are they in the book, the word of God? Are they saying what the Bible says? And if not, many times we either have to put it in the shelf or put it in the garbage. I'm going to say that again. If it doesn't line up to the word of God, we either put it in the shelf and wait to see if we find it in the word of God or put it in the garbage. Don't even pay attention to it. Why? Because in this season, as Jesus gets closer and closer to returning, deception, the spirit of deception is going to be rampant in the world. Not only in this country, in the world. So we're going to go ahead and continue. And we're going to see certain signs. Number one, it says wars. Everybody say wars. wars. Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, it says, And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The reason why Jesus says don't panic is because you're going to be tempted to panic. The reason why Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid because of the events, because he knows that there is going to be a temptation to be afraid. And he says, listen, don't panic. When you hear of wars, when you hear of rumors of wars, you know, when it says nation will go to, against, go against, go to war against nation, he's not talking about countries and kingdoms. He's talking, many, many believers say, believe, commentators say that this is a racial thing. Nations, like racism is going to increase. Come on, somebody. And then there's going to be racial wars. And then there's going to be riots because of racial things. Come on, have we not seen that already? Nation will go to war against nation. This is not talking about Russia against Ukraine. This is about different races going against different races. And this is why we got to protect ourselves. Because Jesus didn't come for a white person. Jesus didn't only come for a Puerto Rican person. Jesus came for the whole world. He came for the whole world. And we got to protect ourselves from going to war with different nations, different nationalities. Let me give you some statistics that you probably didn't know. The New York Times said this, according to an article in the New York Times, the world has been at peace for only 268 years of the past 3,400 years. That means the world has been, the world has been in war for 3,400 years. We've only been at peace for 268. So some of us, we're saying, man, these wars are coming, and I've never met, seen war. War has always happened. 
The difference is now we're able to see it because now we have satellite and now we have internet and now everybody and their mama can see what's happening all around the world. And Jesus said that would happen. Not only that, but the increase of war is going to happen. The increase. War has always happened, but now it's going to happen even more frequently. And when we leave, my friend, because if you believe that we're going to be raptured, whether you believe we're going to be raptured before the tribulation or after the tribulation, if you know what I'm talking about, regardless, we're going to leave with him. Once we leave, man, this is going to explode, these wars. If you think wars are bad now, can you imagine without the church in the earth? The Bible literally says that the Holy Spirit is pushing back everything that's about to happen that is said in the Bible for the sake of the elect, for the sake because of the church that's in the earth. He says, I don't want to increase war. Why? Because people not only are not saved yet, but my people are still there. And that's what a loving God does. Come on, somebody. So watch this. No one knows how many people have perished in times of war. This is the New York Times. The Times speculate that at least 108 million people were killed in wars just in the 20, 20th century alone. Just in the 20th century. The New York Times continues to say that some experts believe a billion would have been a billion people have lost their lives during all the military conflicts that have been in the world, in history. Billions, a billion people. That's a lot of people. There's only six billion, a billion in the earth right now. Watch this. There are nine countries that possess nuclear weapon. What does that mean? That means one person could press one button and a whole country could blow up. There's nine countries that have that. It should, right? It sobers you up a little bit, right? Like you hear all this stuff online that's kind of like ridiculous compared to nuclear bombs. You know, people are like focus on different things. No, no, why don't we focus on countries that all they have to do is press one button and they totally eradicate half of the United States? That's a bigger problem. That's what Jesus is talking about. This is going to continue to increase. I'm not trying to get you afraid, but I am trying to get you prepared. I am trying to get you prepared because this is what Jesus says. One U.S. Marine submarine, one, has enough power on that one submarine that was available in World War II, the entire war. One submarine has enough firepower, missiles, on that one submarine that was dropped in World War II. One submarine. You might say, Pastor, why are you telling me, this? telling me this? So that you can know that if you don't know already, Jesus needs to prepare you for his second coming. Because at any moment, my friend, he could come at any And if you're not ready when he comes, my friend, you are going to face all these things. This war that's going to increase. Can somebody say amen? amen? So what's our response? Because how many know, what good is it for me to give you all this info and you don't know how to respond to it? Right? So number one, you have to respond 
with the peace that comes from God's promises. There's peace that comes from the word of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. There's peace. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you a gift. And that's peace, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. The peace that comes from God's promises. Some of you might, might be saying, man, you know what? Well, what can we do other than, uh, other than the, just, just get into the word of God? My friend, if you have the word of God, you have the very sword that Jesus used against Satan himself. He used the word of God. He used the promises of God. And when you begin to get afraid, when you begin to get panicked, my friend, go to the promises of God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your mind and it will guard your heart. Because let me tell you, my friend, the main thing that people that struggle with anxiety and panic, that is a symptom of the mind. That's a symptom of the mind. Trust me, I know, because I've struggled with anxiety. I've had anxiety attacks and panic attacks. It is a symptom of the mind. But my friend, when you begin to put the word of God in your mind, all of a sudden you get this peace that passes all understanding. I've had this experience when I fly. I used to be okay with flying. And now, for whatever reason, since I turned 38, I guess, I have some issues flying. I cannot sit by the window. I cannot sit in the middle. Definitely cannot sit. In the there was one time I sat in the middle, and I was about to punch everybody around me. Seriously, like I was going to elbow the lady to the left of me. I was going to choke the dude on the right of me. I was like, I have to leave this middle seat before I go crazy. Anybody ever been there? Nobody has ever been there. Thank you so much for leaving me up here all alone. But you know what begins to happen? You know what I started to do? I began to listen to what? Worship music right before I get into the plane. And I begin to speak the word of God. And I begin to declare, I'm not afraid of this plane. I'm not afraid to get inside of this plane. I'm not afraid to fly in the air. I'm not afraid to sit next to somebody in the 30,000 feet in the air. And you know what begins to happen? Peace that passes all understanding guards my mind and my heart. Because the word of God, sometimes we look at the word of God like it's just a, a, like an ordinary book. No, my friend, that word is alive. That word, the Bible says, is a sword, and it'll cut panic in half. It will cut anxiety in half. It will render fear powerless. That's the power of the word of God. Number two, peace from God's presence. Peace from God's presence. I don't know how many times I've been worried about something, emotional about something, Something is just distracting me. And then I get into the presence of God. And my friend, when you learn to practice the presence of God, everything changes when you get into his presence. Everything changes. Some of us, we probably have never felt the presence of God. But the truth is this, my friend, we serve a God that can be felt. You could feel his love. 
You can feel his mercy. You can feel his power. You can feel his peace. And when we begin to practice the presence of God, there is nothing on this earth or under the earth or the devil can throw at you that can detour you from him. Why? Because you're in the presence of God. The presence of God doesn't only stay where you pray. The presence of God literally goes with you. Why? That's why the Bible says that we are the very temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, we had to go to a physical place. They had to go to a physical place and do offerings and sacrifices and worship and then feel the presence of God. But the Bible says in the New Testament, now we are that place. And wherever we go, we can bring the presence of God with us. And we can carry the, pre- the peace of God with us. My friend, if you have never felt the presence of God, man, you're missing out. The presence of God changes everything. If you have a whole lot of stuff happening inside of your house, bring the presence of God. Bring the ark of God into your house. And you see everything change. Can somebody say Amen. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. I love what this says. Look what it says. This is the Lord. He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And look what he says. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 says, as I was with Moses, so I would be with you. Come on, somebody, the Lord is saying this to somebody. I will be with you. You see all these people inside of the Bible that I've used, and you see all the miracles inside of the Word of God. The same God that was with Moses and Joshua is the same God that is telling you this morning, I will be with you. I will be with you. He says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I have I not commanded you. Be strong and of, of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Say that with me. Wherever I go, God is with me. Wherever I go, God is with me. Let me give you one more scripture. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I will be with you. You know, he's not talking about nice, streamy waters. He's talking about stormy waters. When you feel like your life is going to, like, you're going to lose your life because of these waters. And everything around you is stormy and lightning is hitting. And you don't see yourself getting out of this situation, getting out of this storm. He's saying, I will be with you in the storm. And number three, peace from the plan of God. Peace from the plan of God. We have to understand God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. Repeat that. God has a plan. Matthew 24, verse 6, it says, these things must take place. When he says these things must take place, that means he has already planned it. It is already on the calendar in heaven. He knows exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. All we got to do is flow with him. Amen? 
Nothing in the world takes God by surprise. Wouldn't that be messed up if it did? Wouldn't it be messed up that it, all these things would be like, man, you know what? And God's telling us, you know what? I never even knew this was going to happen. Let me figure this out. Can you imagine? Nothing that is happening inside of your life is taking God by surprise. Nothing that is happening in this world and all these little new things, that didn't take God by surprise. Can somebody say amen? Number two, number one was wars. Number two was disasters. Everybody say disasters. These are all the things that the Lord has warned us about. Verse 7 says, And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of sorrows, or all these are the beginning of birth pains. These are the beginning. These are contractions. Amen? Everybody knows what a famine is, right? How many know what a famine is? Famine is the lack of food. Now, we trip when we don't find toilet paper at Walmart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You walk at Walmart or Target. A lot of people like going to Walmart over here. I understand. You go to Walmart, and then you like, man, there's no toilet paper here. You know, there's people that go to, in different countries of the world that there's famine. They go to their Walmart. They don't have a Walmart. They go to wherever they get their food, and they'll be like, it's not toilet paper that's missing. It's food, like literal food, not, not like, oh, you know, all the cereal's gone, but the Pop-Tarts are left. No, there's nothing there. That is happening now, my friend. That is not history. That is not going to happen in the future. In fact, some of your countries, you know what it's like, because some of us in the different countries that we know about and that we're from, we are facing famine even now. It's the lack of food. It's the lack of necessities. This is happening now, not because this is how it's going to stay. It's just going to get even more worse as we get closer to the coming of Jesus. The reason why I keep on saying that is because, yeah, it is a sad thing. And no, we don't want to go through these things. But as we keep on seeing these birth pains, it, gets, it gives us an idea that it's about to give birth. What's going to give birth? Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to come and he's going to take the dead in Christ first. And then those that remain, which is us that are alive, are going to go up with him. But my friend, if you're watching all these things and you don't prepare your heart to what God is telling us in his word, my friend, you won't be ready when he comes. You won't be ready. You know, in central Florida, this is where we live right now, central Florida. It's found that 12.3% of people are living in famine in our country, in our state right now. What does that mean? One out of eight people don't have food. One out of eight people. Some of you might be saying, why do you guys get food boxes? Shouldn't they go to work and find a way to, to get food? Yeah, maybe they should. But what are we doing? We're being Jesus in this community. Because in this community, there might be people that are experiencing this for whatever reason. For whatever reason, they're experiencing it. Watch this. One in five children live in households that are food insecure. In other words, they lack food. And that's the statistics that came from in, in 2020. It's probably a lot higher now. That was three years ago. If anybody is going to be able to uh, 
uh, meet the need of famine, it should be the church. Come on, somebody. It shouldn't be just the government. It shouldn't be just another organization. No, God has built us for this. It was our God that fed 5,000 people. It was our Jesus that fed 4,000 people. It was not an organization. It was not the government. It was the early church that gave out food to widows and orphans seven days out of the week. It is the church's responsibility. And so that's why we, we give out food boxes. Because we're being the hands and the feet and the love of Jesus. Famines. So don't be surprised when you see it in the news that this stuff is going to increase. Jesus says, it must happen. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't love these people. These are the signs that you have to look for. These are the contractions. Everybody say contractions. The other contraction that you're going to see is pestilence. Now, some of us, we don't know what pestilence means, but we know what pandemic means. Don't we? I mean, you should. We just came out of one. Jesus saying, hey, there's going to be some pandemics. There's going to be some pandemics and epidemics that are going to happen in an increased matter. What does that mean? Are you, uh, some of you might be saying, well, Pastor, are you saying that another situation of COVID-19 is going to happen? Probably, because that's what he said. And anybody that was shocked when COVID-19 happened, you shouldn't have because he already said it was going to happen. That's what pestilence are. Pestilence are pandemics, are epidemics. Now, is that going to always happen in the United States? No. When Jesus speaks, he is speaking globally. So we're going to hear of epidemics and pandemics all around the world. And yes, it does affect us. It does affect us, whether it affects us economically, because anything that happens in the world affects us economically. Or when something happens like COVID-19, something that came out of a lab and it affected the whole world, yeah, it might affect us that way. That's why we must be prepared. We have to be prepared. Can somebody say amen? And then there's going to be earthquakes. Now, I think there was an earthquake that happened already twice in Pakistan. How many heard of that, about that? And it wasn't a small earthquake. It was a big five there was an earthquake that hit Los Angeles, and it was Category 5. Or it was 5-something in Category, because I'm from Florida. You know, we call hurricanes categories. But it, it, they don't call it like that in earthquakes. <laughs> but it was number 5, right? This was like over 6, almost 7 in Pakistan. And so we're going to be like, man, why is all this happening? Because Jesus said so. All these things are birth pains, are contractions, of Jesus' return. So the more it happens, my friend, the more we need to be like, man, am I prepared? Am I prepared if Jesus came right now? If Jesus came right now, am I ready to go with him? Am I doing what God has called us to do? Because it's just not enough to give your life to Jesus. Are you doing what he told you to do? Because, my friend, the time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Don't look at your age. If you're young, don't look at your age. Don't go by, hey, that person's old and I'm young. It don't matter, my friend. Are you ready? What's our response? We need to be confident in God's protection. Everybody's his protection. 
Number two, we need to be confident in God's process. Everybody say process. And number three, we need to be confident in God's provision. This is key, especially during famines, because some of us were, I know our fear, it's like, God, man, is God going to let us starve? Right? If famine hits the whole world and famine hits the United States, is he going to allow us to starve? Well, the way to answer that question is we have, to, we have to see his history. We have to see what Jesus did or what God did during famines in the word of God and in history. And during Abraham's time, there was a famine. And what does the Bible teach? And I don't even have time to look at the scripture and break it down and show it to you. Maybe you should just study it yourself. But what, this is what happened. Abraham, it was during a famine, and he moved from one land to another. And the Bible says that God made him rich during a famine. He prospered him. The story goes that as Abraham and his wife were going to another country, Pharaoh thought Abraham's wife was beautiful. And Abraham didn't call Sarah his wife. He called her his sister. So Pharaoh thought, oh, that's his sister. That's not his wife. And then Pharaoh tried to get with her. And then he found out, oh, this is not his sister. This is his wife. And then Pharaoh, to make, you know, make amends with God so that God doesn't curse him, he makes Abraham rich because he gives him a whole bunch of gifts and tell him, you and your wife need to get out of here and let me give you some gifts just in case God is still angry at me. During a famine, God prospered Abraham. God prospered his child during the times where nothing was happening for nobody. You might be saying, well, that's just one story. Well, let me give you another one. There's another one called, there was another guy named Isaac, right? Same family. During the times of a famine, the Bible doesn't say that he just provided for Isaac, that he just made it by, right? He just, you know, he got EBT with nothing wrong with EBT. No, the Bible says that Isaac became very rich during a famine. During a famine, the Lord provided for Isaac and his family. So you might be saying, oh, well, that's just two stories. You know, what if God doesn't do it for us? Well, let me give you another one. There was a man named Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. It looked very bad for him. Because he shared his dream with his brothers. And then he had brothers that were haters, right? And they threw them in a pit. And then they found him in the pit, and then he went to a palace. And then when he got to the palace, there was a girl that lied about him. Matter of fact, it was Potiphar's wife that said, he tried to sleep with me. When in reality, she tried to sleep with him. And then because of result, he ended up in jail. And he stood in jail for a long time. And some of us, we might be saying, well, that doesn't sound good. But then he interpreted somebody's dream. And then he got released out of prison. And they totally forgot about Joseph until Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted. And guess who they remembered? They remembered Joseph in prison. And Joseph was called out of jail, presented in front of Pharaoh, and Joseph and basically interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And in a moment, from one day to another, Joseph became the second in command in all of Egypt. From poor to rich. And what was the dream that he interpreted for Pharaoh? 
The dream was this. He says, Pharaoh, you're going to have seven years of prosperity. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. And Pharaoh says, because the Lord entrusted you with the interpretation of that dream, I'm going to put you in charge. And what did Joseph do during the years of prosperity? He saved. He saved everything for seven years. So that when famine came, he was able to go into his storage and he fed the entire nation, including his family. So what does that tell us? That tells us during famine, God's going to take care of you. During famine, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph is our God. And during famines, my friend, he will give us a strategy so that we will experience famine, but we will not feel the effects of it. But you have to be close to Jesus. Because if God tells you, hey, for these seven years, I want you to save all your money. Because the next seven years, there's going to be famine, and we don't hear that, or we don't obey that. And then we blame God during famine. God, I'm broke. Well, God's going to be like, well, I told you to save for seven years. And that's why I tell all the time, and I even tell myself, it's not that God does not provide. It's that we're not stewarding what God already provided. And I'm, uh, uh, I'm guilty of that too, my wife and I. But we got to do better because, my friend, famine is coming. And what a testimony it would be that when famine comes, that it is the church that is providing everything for everybody. Can you imagine the gospel that could be preached? Can you imagine, can you imagine how many people will be saved not only are we feeding them physically, but we're feeding them spiritually because we were obedient to what God said. Come on, somebody. Amen. God is there to protect us. I love what Genesis 22, verse 8 says this. Let's put it up. What does it say? God will provide. God will provide. As we put on some worship music, or maybe, Matt, you could come up and start playing whatever the Lord leads you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, May my God shall supply what? All your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. All your needs. Not some. That's not only when famine comes. That's now. Amen? I really believe that the people of God should never be in need. I'm not saying you should be rich, but we should never be in need. Anytime that we are in need, we are bad stewards. We're not being good managers of what God's given us. Anytime that I'm in need, and I'm in need right now, I was a bad manager of what God has given me. I put stuff on credit cards that I shouldn't have got. Because the Bible says that God shall supply all what? Our needs all of our needs we shouldn't lack rent because the bible says he supplies all of our needs we shouldn't uh be hungry for food nothing wrong with getting food by the way i mean i've been there nothing wrong with it nothing wrong with asking for help that's not what i'm trying to say here what i'm trying to say is and this is stuff that the lord has convicted me about myself 
the reason why you are begging for needs or you're asking for something that you need is because you haven't been a good steward of what I've given you. Now, this is not going to happen overnight, right? It's a process. It might take 18 months, 24 months, however it needs. But we have to position ourselves as the body of Christ that we shouldn't need. We should be givers. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're the lender, not the borrower. And I love that the word of God says this. Why? Because he's positioning us, right? Even myself. He says, listen, position yourself because whether you think this is going to happen or not, it doesn't matter what you think. It's going to happen. It's already happening in a low dose way. The volume is about to increase little by little. 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to see so much more famine. You're going to see so much more pandemics. You're going to see so many more wars. But we're going to be prepared. Why? Because we are going to be people that are obedient to the word of God. We will prosper during famines. We will be healthy during pandemics. In fact, God is going to use us to even bring healing during these times. But we must prepare ourselves now. Now, when we see these things, yes, it is scary, and I understand it. Anytime you feel the panic coming in, remember what Jesus said. We have to remember what Jesus says, and look what it says right here. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 3, I mean verse 8, it says this, and let's put it up if we have it. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. There's more to come. This is not a, this is not a maybe. More is going to come. Right? Let me just say this, you know, we look, we look at things like, like the world looks at them. We look at it, oh, you know, you know, we shouldn't look at it like that. We got to look at what the word of God says it, how it says it. The, the world is going to say panic, be afraid, do this, do that. And there's nothing wrong with preparing and there's nothing wrong with getting stuff and alarms and cameras. There's nothing wrong with none of that stuff. If you believe in getting guns, by all means, get one. Get two if you want. It doesn't matter, like, you could go ahead and do that. I'm not saying not to do that. In fact, some of you should do it, right? What I'm saying is, you can have all the guns, and I can have all the guns, and I can have all the cameras. This is still going to happen. What we need to do is position ourselves. And don't panic. Don't be afraid. Because the Lord is with us. Amen? Let's all stand this morning. Are you guys getting anything out of these messages? Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise this morning. I want you guys to just begin to just talk to Jesus. And I want you to start asking him. So many times, the reason why God doesn't move inside of our lives in a big way is because we don't ask in a big way. 
I don't know about you, but I want to be just like Joseph. I want to prosper during famine. I want to be like Abraham. I want to be rich, not for to get a bigger mansion, not to get a Bentley, not to get all this fancy Gucci stuff, right? Nothing wrong with none of that. I want to be wealthy so I could be prepared so that if my family needs something, I go to the storehouse that God prepared and told me to prepare, and I could give as much as I can. That's where God wants all of us. That's where God wants all of us. If you're that person, you say, man, I, I want to be there. I want to be just like Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph. That during famines and pandemics, they weren't moved. They weren't perfect, but they weren't moved. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hands. I want to pray for you today. Praise God. So, Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. First of all, we thank you, Jesus, for preparing us, for preparing us for what's going to happen, for telling us not to panic. Father, I thank you, God, that you've already said you are here in the middle of wars and rumors of wars. You've already said I am here in the middle of famines and pandemics. I thank you that your name is above every name. Every famine, every pandemic, God, your name is above every name. Every disease, Father God, your name is above every name. And for that, we give you glory this morning. So, Father, we ask, God, this morning, God, that you would align us to your purpose, that you would align us to your will, that we will not lack during times of famine, that we will not be sick during times of pandemics, that we will not be people that need to borrow, that we will be people that lend, that we will not be the tail, but that we will be the head, Father God, that we will be above and not beneath God, that we will be blessed in the city, in the field, Father God, in the country, God, wherever we are, wherever we are at, God, that you're blessed sing would be with us oh I pray for every single person here that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives father God not only are we going to be prepared God but our children will be prepared for your second coming not only are we going to preach the gospel but our children are going to preach the gospel God I pray that you will raise up children God that will prepare their friends God in their schools God that will prepare their families God as they go home God what a message oh God from the world of God hallelujah Jesus I could feel the comfort of the Lord this morning I could feel his peace this morning I could feel like a father and a mother gathers her children and a father gathers his children and says everything is going to be okay everything is going to be okay hallelujah this is why he warns us. And this is why he tells us, hey, don't stumble. Because not only am I warning you about these things, I will be with you during these 
things. And I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you during these times. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Trust in God. Hallelujah. I want you to declare, I trust in God. I trust in God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning. Come on, lift up your hands just for a moment. Just worship Jesus. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.